It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Final segment of the day today and the week. Great to be with you. We talked just before the break uh, about how easy it is to rewrite or criticize history. Uh, Poking holes in the past is easy. Uh, Sometimes I think it can be kind of cowardly. Writing the future, on the other hand, is hard. Requires a lot of courage. Uh, It's become sort of an obsession for some, casual sport for others, to to look back on history and reframe, recast, and reimagine what happened and why. Uh, With audacious certainty, the experts can declare the motives and character of complex individuals who lived in less-than-advanced societies, to be sure, acknowledging and even confronting the the whole of our history, warts and all, uh, is vital, to be sure. Uh, But let's be honest. Uh, poking holes in heroes from the past and, and picking on heroines of bygone eras is, is pretty easy. It doesn't require much moral fiber, rigorous research, or even a whole lot of open-mindedness. And some media and some academic elites, uh, along with some very progressive historians, have begun to wear their bullying of historic figures as a badge of honor. And the reality is that kind of revisionism and self-righteous wokeness, that kind of judgment, are, are just bad form and are often centered in a, a form of agenda-driven arrogance. So for the tough-on-history, the cancel culture crowd, uh, I have a different challenge today that will require some actual courage. Uh, not the uh, hold-my-pen-I'm-going-after-the-founding-fathers variety. <laughs> this is real courage. Uh, this demands real, authentic vulnerability and humility. And the challenge is to write the future. Now, many of you know that I I love history. I love great speeches. I love uh, figures of all kinds. And and recently I've reviewed and been inspired by addresses from everyone from Calvin Coolidge to Jimmy Carter to John F. Kennedy. Uh, I learned a a lesson not too long ago about uh, uh, re-looking at history. Uh, It was a message from Ronald Reagan on why writing the future is not for the faint of heart, but it's worth the effort. So go back a little bit. Uh, Reagan described uh, how easy it is for historians to look at and judge past leaders. Not a hard thing to do. Uh, He also noted how he and and his political peers could and would uh, somewhat glibly talk about how the decisions they were making would shape the world for the next 100 years. Uh, this was back when Reagan was uh, governor of the, Cal- of the state of California. Uh, he was given a challenge in 1976 that would test Reagan's willingness to actually write the future. So Reagan had been petitioned to write a letter for a time capsule. The time capsule would be opened 100 years in the future in the year 2076. So the occasion in 2076, by the way, would include uh, the city of Los Angeles' bicentennial and America's tricentennial celebrations. So 
the suggestion that Reagan got from the time capsule committee was that he focus his letter on some of the problems confronting the American people and the government during the 1976 election cycle. (laughs) Now, think about that for a minute. Uh, At first, Reagan figured this would be pretty easy for him to write the future. He'd been talking about it uh, for a year, Uh, all of the challenges facing the country uh, on a regular basis. He was always talking about that. He figured he could do this uh, in his sleep if he had to. But very interesting Reagan began writing this letter to the future as he was being driven by car down the Pacific Coast Highway in California. And I loved his description. He said the the simple drafting of a letter became a really difficult and incredibly complex chore as he began to consider something that he hadn't supposed. The question that kept going over in his mind was, what do you put in a letter that's going to be read 100 years from now? What do you say about our problems today, knowing that those who would read the letter when the time capsule was opened in 100 years, they'll know what we don't know. And they will surely know how well we did with the problems he was about to describe. In short, they would be living in the world that we helped shape. So with that uh, hefty dose of reality, (laughs) Reagan kind of reframed everything. Uh, He said, you know, will they read the letter that I'm about to write to the future? Will they read it with gratitude for what we did? Or will they be bitter because the heritage we left them was one of misery? So Reagan did go on to write the letter. Uh, He wrote of the problems facing America and the citizens back in 1976, including big government and excessive spending, the loss of individual liberty, undermining of uh, the inspired course set by the founding fathers, challenges of the two big superpowers, America and the then Soviet Union, pointing nuclear weapons at each other. Uh, Reagan noted after he'd written this, he said, those who read my letter will know whether those missiles we're fired or not. Either they'll be surrounded by the same beauty we now know in this country, or they will wonder, sadly, uh, what the world was like when the world was still beautiful. Now, of course, Reagan was ever the optimist. Uh, He concluded his writing to the future uh, with the ultimate litmus test for all of us. He, uh, He wrote, if we here today meet the challenges confronting us, those who open the time capsule 100 years from now, We'll do so in beauty, peace, and prosperity, and the ultimate in personal freedom. If we don't, if we don't keep our rendezvous with destiny, he wrote, the letter probably will never be read because the the world they will live in uh, will be a world where freedom and individual liberty no longer exists. So, uh, again, an interesting exercise uh, for then-Governor Ronald Reagan back in 1976 to write to the future. Not to rewrite the past, but to, to write to the future, knowing that they will know how we did on these big problems and big challenges of our day. And so, again, it doesn't take a lot of courage to, to cast aspersions or pass judgments on those who aren't around to defend themselves anyway. Uh, I would challenge all of us uh, to, rather than attempting to rewrite history, instead write the future, knowing that those who will read your letter A hundred years from now, they'll know if you were right or wrong. (laughs) Write your letter, print it, post it, etch it in stone, 
see see what your confidence level does uh, at that at that stage. So that's a good exercise for the for the weekend. Project it forward. Here we are in 2021. Imagine what it's going to be like in 2121. Interesting number. Uh, what's the future going to look like? And what are the questions you would pose to those in 2121? Uh, they're going to know how we did. How will they look at how we dealt with the pandemic? Our commitment to justice and equality, ending prejudice and discrimination. Did we create uh, a hinge point in history? Did we meet our rendezvous with destiny? Did we live up to the ideals that have been passed on to us? Uh, Those are all good challenges. So I think we all could benefit from spending a little less time uh, attacking and attempting to cancel figures and the founding principles of the past. And we could actually give a little more effort determining our individual and our collective roles for that matter in writing the future. The future really does belong to the brave. If we wish to write the future of tomorrow, we must do so by living with excellence and compassion today. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio today. And as always, as you go out into the world, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that'll make a difference. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.